Welcome to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ, located in the Lehigh Valley of Pennsylvania. I'm Pastor Mike Landsman, and these podcasts are taken from my weekly Sunday morning sermons. We pray that they will bless you, and we would love for you to come visit us and make our church home, hopefully, become your church home. Here's what we have for today. So I had written out a lot of notes about these three readings. I had planned on speaking a little bit about all three, but I kept coming back to one phrase in the gospel reading, and uh, I kept, I couldn't get away from it, so I kind of at the last minute scrapped it and uh, decided to go with this instead. So many of you here either have kids or have looked, at, looked after kids or have interacted kids with kids in, in, in some way, and you know that when you give kids boundaries, they will often break those boundaries and they'll get into trouble. And when you do, you're going to hear lots of different reasons for why they've done that. I told you not to eat that candy before dinner. I know, but I got hungry, so I ate it. Right, but I told you no candy before dinner. But I was hungry. I know you're hungry. That's why I'm making dinner. These conversations can be frustrating, to say the least. And in the book of Genesis, when we look at the story of Adam and Eve and their sin, they are asked by God what they did. And like little kids, they try to blame shift and they try to justify themselves. They try to justify what they've done by shifting the focus away from what was done and bringing the focus onto, well, here's my motivation. That excuses, excuses that. So God says, hey, I, I told you guys not to eat the fruit. Yeah, but it looked really tasty. Right, but I told you not to. But the serpent told me it was okay. I told you not to eat the fruit. Well, the woman you gave me, she talked me into it. <laughs> I told you not to eat the fruits. Here are the consequences. We often try to justify some of the things that we do because we've been caught out and we want to mitigate the consequences. And sometimes we try to justify ourselves because we want to come across in a different light than what we actually are. And sometimes we try to justify ourselves and our actions because we're unable to emotionally deal with them, with what we've done. So we try to spin them in a positive light so we don't have to address the deep wounds in our heart. Self-justification usually leads to self-deception. And if we fall into self-deception, then we're in a whole lot of trouble. And today we're going to look at a story about somebody who attempts to justify themselves and the antidote for that justification that Jesus prescribes. So in the, Luke's, in the part of Luke's gospel that we heard read, Jesus is confronted by a lawyer, an expert in the Torah, right? The law of the children of Israel, which governed both their civil life as well as their religious life. The two were intertwined. They didn't have a sacred and secular division like we do now. Everything was together. Excuse me. And the lawyer, it says here, is trying to put Jesus to the test. Scripture tells us that. He's trying to get one over on Jesus. He's trying to get him stuck so he can video it, right, and put it on YouTube with a video labeled Lawyer Totally Owns Poor Rabbi, with Totally Owns in big capital letters. He asks, hey, Jesus, how do I inherit eternal life? Jesus responds by asking him a counter question which is actually a really way to, to have a discussion with somebody. Jesus says, what is written in the law? 
how do you read it? And the man responds, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And this, brothers and sisters, is a citation from the book of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy is Moses before he dies. He's restating the Torah. He's, he's restating the law that God had given God's people. And Jesus responds with, yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a really good answer. Now go do that and you will live. And the lawyer responds, well, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? Notice the man's motivation in the text. It says, but he desiring to justify himself said. So what we see right here is someone motivated by this self-justification. He probably thinks he has a loving God with everything part down. So he doesn't really need to do the other part, loving the neighbor. And there's a commentator named Craddock. He suggests that the lawyer's question revolves around selectivity. Which group of people do I have to love like I love God and myself? Maybe the lawyer treats a certain group better than others. Maybe he's trying to use the law to love one group at the expense of someone else. And so because he's answered the question, initial question correctly, he's seeing maybe if he could push Jesus a little bit because he wants to justify himself. So Jesus tells a story that when we read it now, it's lost some of its punch that it initially had when it, when, he, when it was first told. He tells the story of a man, a Jewish man who is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. And we all know the story, many of us know the story. On the way, he gets beaten up by robbers and left for dead. And he is passed by both a priest and a Levite. A Samaritan passes by, sees him laying there, picks him up, tends his wounds, provides for his ongoing care. And Samaritans, as you know, were not part of the people of God. They were the mixed descendants of the people of Israel who were carried off into captivity by the Assyrians. Because in our Bible history, we have to remember, in the Old Testament, you had, after, uh, after the death of Solomon, his son became king. He was not a very good king, and the kingdoms were split with the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel, and both descend into wickedness. And as a result, the kingdom of Israel, the Assyrians come in, and they take everybody away eventually, and they destroy it. And the Samaritans are the descendants of those people who have resettled the land many, many years later. So this, brothers and sisters, causes a lot of tension because they have their own place for worship. They even have their own Torah. They have their own rituals, and they claim to be the true people of God and that the Jews were not the true people of God. So this caused them to dislike each other and to not trust each other and, in many cases, to hate each other. So think how shocking this must have been for the hearers of this, for, for particularly for that lawyer. Because the priest and the Levite that Jesus talks about in the story that passed by the man lying on the side of the road, the priest, they are obviously the ones, right, who stand at the temple, who stand at the altar, who offer up sacrifices to God on behalf of the nation. The priest sees the man and walks by. And then the Levite, and the Levite's 
well, priests were chosen from the tribe of Levi, and the Levites were involved with the running of the temple and how worship went. Also another person who stands on behalf of the people for service. They both walk past this man, but not the Samaritan. And maybe the, the priest and the Levite thought, I don't want to get involved. Or shame, that poor guy looks terrible. He should get some help. Then Jesus introduces the Samaritan and makes the Samaritan the one who does what the others should have done. And brothers and sisters, this would be shocking to them because in their eyes, they would have considered the Samaritan an unclean Gentile. And Jesus is holding this unclean Gentile up as a person who should be emulated, who's showing what it means to love God by loving one's neighbor. Then Jesus asks the lawyer another question. He says, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the answer is clear. The Samaritan proved to be the neighbor to the man who was attacked and left for dead. So Jesus is expanding on who the lawyer thinks his neighbor should be and thus who is worthy of his care. Jesus is saying, everyone is your neighbor, especially the people you don't like or you don't think are worthy of God's love and care and grace. St. Theophilax wrote this, the Savior defines neighbor not according to deed or merit, but according to human nature. All humanity share the same human nature, and thus all people are your neighbor. So the lawyer is left with no legs to stand on and no way to justify himself. And Jesus tells him this, go and do likewise. What you just heard in the story, this is how I want you to act. This is, how I, this is what I want you to do. This is how you inherit eternal life. This is what the lawyer was lacking. And Jesus gives him the antidote to self-justification, which, brothers and sisters, is our own antidote to our own attempts to justify ourselves. And that antidote is selfless service. Selfless service. And in the reading from Colossians that we just heard, St. Paul commended the people for the love they've shown to all the saints. And he prays that all of the good works they've done and are doing will bear fruit, that they will continue to walk worthy. And in this story, we see what St. Paul expressed in action, right? It's not enough to say that we love Jesus. We must not only love Jesus, but we must love like Jesus, our faith compels us to love both upwards as well as outwards, and any expression of our faith that is confined to mere belief or mere confession without corresponding love in action is not true faith. Selfless service, love in action, is the antidote to self-justification. And like St. Theophilac reminded us, everyone is our neighbor. So to walk worthy, to serve our neighbor, involves us taking risks. It might not be comfortable for us. It might not even be safe at times, but Christ can do it. Well, he has done it for us, and we can do it for others. So let's talk a little bit about Jesus here. So the selfless service and love and action, they are modeled by Jesus himself. The actions of the Samaritan offer us a picture of this. The Samaritan is a picture of Jesus. And there's, we could break down the many ways that the church has read and understood the beautiful symbolism here. We can't deal with all of them today, so we'll just, we'll just stick with a little bit here today, this morning. 
When we look at the man on the journey, he could represent humanity headed away from God, right? Which is symbolized by Jerusalem towards sin, which is the city of Jericho. Humanity is assaulted by the evil one and left for dead. The Samaritan, Jesus, passes by, sees us laying as though dead, and comes to us as one of us and heals our wounds and cleanses us from our sin. He takes us to the inn, a picture of the church, where we continue to heal from those wounds until he comes again. St. Theophilact, again, I like what he had to say about this, so I'm going to read it. The Lord lifted up our wounded nature upon his own body, for he made us members of himself and communicants of his own body. And when we were laying down wounded, he raised us up to his own dignity, making us one body with himself. So all of our acts of selfless service, our displays of love for our neighbor, they are possible because Christ lived it out for us first. And we walk in his example. And this act of Christ's self-giving love, his coming and his dying, and being raised for us, is actually what justifies us. Because we cannot justify ourselves no matter how hard we try. And all of our attempts to do so will fall flat. But Christ justifies us and makes us truly righteous. Not the appearance of righteousness, like the lawyer in the story, but by the transforming work of the Holy Spirit that has been poured out in our hearts. And so, brothers and sisters, the antidote for our attempts to justify ourselves is our acts of self-giving love and selfless service, reaching out to others, not only with the gospel, right? Not only with the transforming power of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, but also in real practical ways And so to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ be all glory, together with the Father who is from everlasting and is all holy, good, and life-giving spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast for Zion Stone United Church of Christ. If these sermons have been a blessing to you, I'd ask that you would consider helping to meet a major need that we have. Our building is in current need of some necessary repairs, so we've set up a GoFundMe gofundme.com slash save zion stone and i ask that you would please consider donating there or if you'd like you could also mail us something directly thank you so much for listening if you'd like to contact me you can reach me at malandsman at gmail.com or you can find me on the church's facebook page zion stone united church of christ as well as our website this podcast is available on itunes as well as spotify thank you so much again for listening God bless you.